So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Man fans. Ollie Mann here with another ram-packed edition of The Modern Man, although there, there aren't any rams in it at all. But there is a middle feature about online surveillance. Ooh, Snowden, Assange, what can it mean? Who's spying on you? All that kind of stuff. The bloke that I speak to, one-time WikiLeaker James Ball, does this little party trick which demonstrates how your phone is spying on you. You can play along as you listen. It is simultaneously terrifying and fascinating. Uh, Also coming up later, there's a special edition of The Foxhole, which we recorded on location uh, in a sex boutique called Shh, which is in Hoxton. Um, It sounds a bit, I only realised listening back to it later, it sounds a bit like a promotional slot, like they paid us to do a tour of their shop. It's not. We just went there because Alex loves it. And genuinely, uh, Alex Fox is just that excited about testing out sex toys on me. So that is where that enthusiasm comes from. It's 100% genuine. Uh, Before we get going, though, uh, some matters arising from the minutes. Firstly, congratulations to everyone who correctly guessed that the lullaby we were playing at the end of last week's episode was a cover of Kiss by Prince. Uh, Our our small tribute to the late musical icon. Uh, Big up uh, Lex who was the first to guess it on Twitter. Uh, She's an animator currently working for Disney, by the way. How cool is that? Uh, And uh, also, this is exciting, I've heard back from Ironbug. You might remember Ironbug is the weird uh, Scottish guy who drives around in a classic VW Beetle emblazoned with the logo of the uh, sugary piss substitute Iron Brew. Uh, And I was just speculating on the show, why on earth would you do that? Well, he's got in touch to say basically it was a pub bet that went too far. (laughs) He and his friends were looking through Gumtree uh, and noticed this car was on there. They were trying to find the weirdest car to do up. He went to go and have a look at it and apparently it belonged to a lady uh, whose boyfriend lived near the Iron Brew factory. Still doesn't quite make sense as to why they would put this on their car, but they did. Uh, And it had been in a barn for two years because she and her boyfriend had split up. So she knew it was basically rusting to bits and said, look, if you take this off me, you have to guarantee to keep it as the iron bug. So he says he has a gentleman's agreement to keep it with the logo on for the next three years. Uh, And he is looking to have discussions with the makers of Iron Brew to see if there's any cash uh, there. Good luck with that. Um, I imagine if they drink a lot of their own product, they have no teeth, so it will be hard to have a discussion with them. But good luck trying to get some money. Uh, And finally, I know you'll all be on tenterhooks to discover how my dalliances with uh, mung bean endamami fettuccine have gone. Uh, I can report back 
fact that it is a very satisfying pasta substitute, uh, albeit expensive. Uh, so, Magnus, thank you for the tip. I will be ordering some more. Uh, right, on this week's show, you're going to learn how to prevent GCHQ from intercepting your PC. You'll learn about a sex aid called Probe. And you'll learn which cuts of meat those in the know order from the butchers. Let's go. On this week's Modern Man. And honestly, sometimes you would have big sort of dramatic releases delayed because of Norfolk broadband. How do you keep your privacy in the digital world? A former WikiLeaker reveals all. Just let me pour the molten wax on you, Ollie. Come on, let's get on with this. And I become the guinea pig in another sick sex experiment by Alex Fox. But first, it's the man who puts the shite into zeitgeist. It's Ollie Pierce. Hello, Ollie. Uh, no, we're Sally. not doing the French thing. Well, no, not doing on. it anymore. All right, we've, fine. we've dealt with it. We've yeah. told people why you're speaking French. Yeah, right. okay. It was moderately interesting. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, what are your trends of the week? Barbecues. Okay, yeah, summer is here, he says very hesitantly, because we're recording this on Tuesday morning and it is miserable as shit. It's horrible, but it was a really beautiful weekend. Beautiful week. I know that because I spent Sunday afternoon watching some Morris men dancing in a pub car park, and that only happens on the hottest day of the year. It does indeed. And the word weather was trending on Google because people were interested because they couldn't be bothered to look out the window. So I thought (laughs) I would look at... uh, What to expect in barbecuing. In 2013, the UK was named Europe's leading barbecue nation, beating the Germans into second place for the fifth time in a row. That's ridiculous because Greece exists. Well, it also says that 14% of households in the UK now have two barbecues. I think I've got three. I've got three. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually got three barbecues, which is so stupid. It is stupid. Okay, so the reason I have three is I have the traditional charcoal Weber type one. Yes, same. Uh, which is the standard, like, classic. I think every every British man has to have a Weber barbecue. Yeah, if you don't, you're not a man. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I also have a gas one because I inherited it from my father. He was a butcher early in his life and he, he promised me that the best quality meat came from a, a gas barbecue. Uh, and then I also have, although I didn't buy this one, I, I was sent it. Uh, for reviewing purposes. Never asked for it back, probably because it had burnt meat on it. Uh, I was sent one of those ones that's battery operated. Yeah, it's got a fan in it, right? It's got a fan. Have you got one like that? No, but I saw one at the weekend, right? So yeah. I was in Somerset and was, I went to a, a posh kitchen shop. Yeah. And they had them in there. And I asked the woman about it. She goes, yeah, we've got the charcoals down here. Yeah, you use those charcoals. And I was like, oh, but you can use any charcoal, right? She's like, no. no. It's got to be extra hot, special, what? not too much smoke. No, but what? That's so okay. stupid. Why so it is stupid. You... So the thing is, right? If you want to quickly barbecue some meat, and you can even do it indoors if you're careful, mm. then fine, use the tabletop battery-operated weird German barbecue thing. Mm. But I don't know why you like barbecues, Ollie Pitt, but one of the reasons I like barbecues is I like my meat to taste burnt. I like it to taste <laughs> like Satan himself charred. has speared it on his fork. The charred. culinary term is charred. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the thing about this, they boast about this, the German engineering behind this product is that there is no burn because of the fan. Yeah. It just perfectly cooks in it. Well, then use an oven. Here's some trends, as predicted by Stephen Racklin of Barbecue Bible in okay. America, right? So Let me just say, before you even start, go on. if this includes pulled pork, putting a beer can in a chicken... Or putting chips on a barbecue. Those are last year's trends. They're I saw it on this morning. That's like, that's like 2011, Ollie. Fine. Where have you been? Okay. Okay. Smoking is the new grilling. Yeah. So you're going to get yourself a smoker. Yeah. If you haven't got a smoker, then you're not 2016 barbecuing. You're right. I need a fourth barbecue and I need it now for the You've two days of summer we're going to have. Yeah. They're affordable and you can get ones which are like a electronic and stuff. So Are they affordable? Yeah. Like, well, compared to what they were. I mean, you have yeah. to build them. <laughs> yeah. 
happy to build the fucking things. I mean, Compared to an extension on your house, they're yeah, affordable. Yeah. What's that, doesn't, that? Is that, that a new spare room? That doesn't affordable. <laughs> no, That's how the Conservatives do their housing policy. Yeah, yeah, it's affordable. It's not five million quid. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say that. Well, I can say affordable. I mean, I've seen them in my local garden centre for about £150. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's affordable if you have £150, but if you don't, then it's not. Maths affordable. on the modern man. <laughs> it's the first. But you can build your own. Like, I've seen uh, people build them out of like cardboard boxes and stuff. Yeah. So you can do it. Fine. Right. Smokers. Yeah. He also predicts this Stephen Racklin bloke. He predicts that tech will take over this year. So but what's he, he saying? Thermometers it. that are linked to your phone? No, it won't. Yeah. No, it won't. Because the whole off. point is you stand over it, you get too drunk to be able to monitor it efficiently, and you burn everything. I mean, that is the fun of the barbecue, isn't it? You don't want to actually do it accurately using technology. Unless you're German. What else did he you're predict? Li- you'll like this one. Do you like yeah. steaks? You know I love steaks. So lesser known steaks are so in right now, Ollie. Lesser so known in. steaks. The Terrace Major. You ever heard of that? No, of course not, no. Uh, it's a US cut also known as shoulder tender. So you want to go to your butchers and ask for that bad boy. Uh The flat iron. It's a steak for those in the know. Right. Which you are now. I think it's from a a part of the cow called the chuck. Yeah, I've heard of chuck steak, but is that... But it's is cut- there actually a part of the cow called the chuck? I don't think that's right. In in butchery terms, yeah. Fine, but sure. you don't look at a live cow and say, oh yeah, he's got, he's got nice a bit of mud on, on his chuck. <laughs> I mean, you could say that. Just- his chuck, it's a cow. Yeah, oh, I see, it's always a girl, isn't it? Yeah, a girl cow. A girl cow is a cow. Yes. And the last one, a bavette, yeah. cut from the flank. Yes. And it's a favourite of celebrity chef and weight loss fanatic Tom Kerridge. So, barbecue trends, what else have you got going on? Eurovision. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I love Eurovision. Something you can combine with a barbecue if the weather is fine. Uh, Explain what Eurovision is to anyone listening outside of Europe who isn't gay. So Eurovision is a song contest for mostly European nations, but actually Australia are in it. Are they well. in it again? Because they were in it last year. They were in it last year because it was like the uh, 60th anniversary or something. Yeah, they thought, and it's big in, in Australia. Huge in Australia. Yeah. So they thought, oh, well, the Australians can come in. That'd be great. Yeah. And the Turks are in it and the Israelis are in it. So it's not really Europe anyway. Yeah, there's lots of... Uh, there's. 40- but it's not America. We're not interested in your songs, America. You're not allowed in America, but you say that. But guess who's performing uh, in the interval? I don't need to guess because I saw it on the internet yesterday and I was slightly offended. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, because he's... That's releasing- not Eurovision. No, it's not, is it? Uh, what country is uh, hosting it this year? Sweden. Sweden. So yeah. it's going to be in Stockholm. I'm not really interested in all that kind of stuff. I'm interested in how people celebrate it. If you're in New York, you can actually go to a thing called Euphoria or Euroforia, mm-hmm. which is like a club night, and they celebrate that there. And if you're in Reykjavik, there's this ex-entrant of Eurovision, and he's been running a party for the last decade, uh, this guy called Paul Oscar, and you can pop along to one of Reykjavik's biggest clubs, and he puts on this huge party. But one of the best places to celebrate Eurovision, Ollie, yeah. is Malta. Oh, yeah. Apparently, Malta absolutely love it. It goes at a complete standstill uh, on Eurovision night. Everybody's watching it in bars. And you know what they say, the best way to watch Eurovision is uh, with the subtitles on. Because mm. you get the translations of all the different uh, lyrics. I've never done that. Yeah, it's the, it's the best way to listen to this segment as well. Just a little tip for you. Yeah. Uh, what other trends have you got for us this week? Peaky Blinders. Right. I've never seen it. No, that's a lie. I can't um, believe that. My, my partner's dad said, oh my God, it's amazing. You have to download all of Peaky Blinders taking it on holiday with you. Mm-hmm. So we did. I spent like 20 quid buying it on Apple, got it on my iPad, watched half of episode one, and my girlfriend said, yeah, I don't like it. It's the best thing in the world. Wow. On TV. It is the best thing. Oh, okay, qualified it immediately. Yeah, of course, because it's not. I mean, I quite like mushrooms. So, like, (laughs) I mean, it's really, really incredible. I'd Uh, love to see the list. Do you know? (laughs) What's what's between mushrooms and Peaky Blinders in the top ten? I mean, just give us like two others. 
Uh, well, I like tomatoes. Yeah. Um, Are there mostly any foodstuffs here. It's, it's mostly foodstuffs, yeah. Um, and can't think of another one. Right, okay. Yeah, we'll leave it there. So maybe it's the third best thing in the world. It's pretty good. Mushrooms it's and pre- tomatoes. I mean, that's high up, isn't it? Do you know the premise? From what I remember watching it when I was slightly hungover at one o'clock in the morning in the hotel bedroom, you know, squinting onto an iPad, mm-hmm. it's got the bloke with the good cheekbones from um, that Danny Boyle Killian film. Killian Murphy? Yes. He does an accent that I think is supposed to be Birmingham. Yes, his name is Tommy. And then what happens in the first episode is we're introduced to the fact that they work in a bar, but it's a bit of a dodgy bar, and he's got some sort of mafia-organised crime connection. Yeah, a lot happens. I mean, it's amazing. Right, so it's basically, it's set in Birmingham, and Gillian's character's called Thomas Shelby. Uh They're based on a real gang that existed back then called the Peaky Blinders, who keep razor blades in the peak of their caps, right? Right, okay, I see. Slash you! So are you particularly excited about this series? Yes, because series three is out. came out last Thursday. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware and of that. And it's brilliant. Yeah. I do have one slight hang-up. Yeah. The sound wasn't that brilliant. Oh, no. You're not one of these people who complain about the sound on I'm the BBC. I'm not going to complain about the sound. Oh, God. Mail Online's going to write an article it. about this now. No, look, there was a bit in it where... Were people mumbling? They weren't mumbling. Were their dialects just, too northern just... for your southern tastes? No, it wasn't that. Like, I love the Peaky Blinders accent. I went to school in Starbridge. I'm used to it, okay? Right. So I know what it's like, okay. right? They were in this scene where there was a bit of a party. They were talking. They was just really hissy. Not their voices, but, like, the recording was just really bad. If anybody else noted that. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they did, because it was pretty bad. But the big thing to take out of Peaky Blinders is that now their haircuts that they have, short back and sides, is popular. Not in tribute to the show, well, I think it is, because uh, the show's been going for quite a while now. So, what is it, three years? But why aren't people walking around with hats on, with blades in them, then? Well, because that would be illegal. But the short back and sides can be attributed to uh, Peaky Blinders. And I think you'd look good with one. Thank you, as ever. Uh, if people have a trend they want to suggest for a future edition of The Zeitgeist... At The Modern Man. On Twitter. And, well, that would probably do, wouldn't it? Ollie, thank you. I'm Thomas Shelby. Fuck off. <laughs> Now, online surveillance. How much detail about your life is documented on the smartphone that's in your pocket right now? How secure is the dark web? And what about private browsing? Is your private browsing actually private? Well, one man who definitely knows the answers to all of those questions is the investigative journalist James Ball, formerly of WikiLeaks and now at BuzzFeed. I met up with him recently, or did I? Huh? There aren't any records of us meeting, are there? Uh, apart from this recording you're about to hear, which I made using a big microphone that we took along with us. James, I asked you to take me to a place for a private meeting and you've brought me to a bar. Why have you done that? I work in the middle of Soho. Trying to find any privacy here is basically impossible. But is there an element of hiding in plain sight? that's actually quite helpful when you're trying to keep things private. It tends to be in bars people are more interested in the person next to them than they are at the next table, so I tend to shoot for that because if you try and pick somewhere really deeply inconspicuous, that's when everyone looks at you. It's, uh, it's you know, have you ever seen anyone trying to walk normally? It's the most obvious thing on the planet. <laughs> so run us through a resume of some of the... Uh supposedly inconspicuous locations that you may have chosen to have subterfuge in the past? Often uh, at the upstairs bar of uh, Sam Smith's, I once picked my local pub to have a meeting with a off-the-record source who was over from another country, which was absolutely fine until one of my neighbours came and joined us at the table, assuming that was a great thing to do. 
and sort of the, the two of us having to look very relaxed, um, I, I got a text a little later from them uh, asking if they'd interrupted a date. Um, I borrowed the lobby of a cinema once for what was a fairly short conversation. What you tend to find is people who don't do this stuff very often will try and do something sneaky. Someone passed me a USB stick sort of into my hand as we were walking next to each other down a busy street once. And to be honest, if I was going to do that, I would do it right in the middle of the thing, hand it over a table. This is completely normal. People hand each other USB sticks with resumes or boring designs all the time. I always find the more obviously you do something, the less people are interested in it. When I hid my pornography as a teenager, I always found in plain sight was the best technique. On my bookshelf in my bedroom, but with the spines facing inwards. That's, that's quite clever, yeah. although I, I bet they knew where it was. My mum found my brother's once and decided to be very polite about it. She found his little stash of porn mags and um, beer and she just very neatly put it on the steps up to his room with his washing next to it. <laughs> and uh, she never discovered it again. Slam. And we contacted you, myself and producer Matt, for this interview using a kind of open source cloud platform email program. Uh, Gmail is what I'm trying to skip around here. Yeah. Was that wise? Um, not if you don't want it to be read. Gmail, I mean, they're US-based, so they have to comply with most warrants. If someone wants to spy on you, they do an order that also says, oh, and obviously don't tell them. Your email account would look absolutely identical if you're under surveillance as if you're not, if it's by an intelligence agency or by a competent hacker. I won't say which, but I asked someone senior at an internet company once if my account had ever been under a warrant mm. and they said if your account had never been under surveillance we would be able to tell you that <laughs> if your account had been under a surveillance warrant and it had we'd managed to challenge it and get it unsealed we could tell you that i have no comment to make on your account which was probably a little further than he should have gone i was in the first meeting with julian assange which is in this turkish restaurant near paddington we went back up to the rooms he was staying in and he handed over a USB stick with all of the Iraq war logs on, which is like 390,000 classified US docs. I'm about 23 and trying not to look like I'm freaking out here. And it's about 1am and he sort of chats for a bit longer and then he says, right, go on, you can go kind of thing. He goes, oh, but don't go home. I think this place is being watched and I'd rather your address wasn't linked to my address, which kind of leaves you with this... What do I do now? What do you do? I actually, I phoned up a friend um, and told her that I'd been out and I'd lost my keys and could I crash her on her sofa? Um, and she lets me in, makes me a nice cup of tea, all this sort of stuff, and realises as we're chatting, she goes, hang on, you're not drunk. Um, so I sort of managed to go, oh no, I've just sobered up a bit walking over here. But back then, Julian Assange was not a celebrity, right? This wasn't... No, She wouldn't no, know who was he was. This was exciting, like you say, you're 23 years old. Wouldn't you go back and say, you'll never guess what I've just been given? Well, no, because it was as much this thing of, like, when you're working on something like that, you're not only thinking, well, I don't want to get arrested or for it to be seized or to ruin the story. You're also thinking, I don't want it to go around in gossip so that people are onto it and trying to scoop us or trying to write that we're doing it actually as it turned out staying in the spare room of this shared flat at the time was uh, someone from the MOD 
<laughs> so wow. they, they were within about 10 feet of it before it all happened but wow. uh, but yeah so so no about about eight weeks later I kind of when it all was published I fessed up to her and she sort of she was laughing about it and then she went hang on you didn't want to leave the CIA or whoever to your house but you were willing to leave them to mine kind of had to go yeah you had this USB stick. What for the next six weeks before it was all released? Did you do security-wise to make sure it didn't escape? I mean, you were doing what you could. I mean, we got a lot better with security stuff on the stuff that came after. But you would lock up the paperwork. You would sort of try and work off computers that weren't on the internet. Where do you find one of them? I mean, seriously. It's, now, what computer isn't on the internet? Every every washing machine's on the internet. On things like Snowden. Things that, for high-value intelligence, places like the NSA and GCHQ and the other agencies can do, is if you order a laptop on the internet or server equipment on the internet, they can intercept the delivery, put in bugs that call back and don't rely on the normal internet connection, ship it all back up, seal it all back up, and carry on sending it to you. And so we couldn't do any normal procurement, any anything. So I would go out with sort of a credit card buy a laptop sometimes like actually go in and break the wi-fi chip on it and then put on a sort of secure sort of secret operating system so physically disable it from being able to go online and use a different operating system to normal and there are probably still sort of people in intelligence agencies that would laugh at how rubbish that security is but that was the degree of precautions we started taking but I mean, it was a pretty exceptional case. Tor, the onion router. Yeah. The dark web, the deep web, call it whatever you want. How secure actually is that? It's one of these things where, in theory, mathematically, in an ideal world, it's very secure. It's got a very clever architecture. The way it bounces traffic around is very clever. But the way it falls apart and doesn't work is all the usual human stuff. People use the same username on a secret tour forum that they use in a public one, and you, you get found. People forget to log into it one time at midnight and sort of log into a, a website direct rather than through tour. That's how um, Lulsec, you know, the little anonymous offshoot, yeah. that's part of how they got busted. People forget to visit sites that track cookies through it all without remembering to turn it off it's so hard to use right it's almost meaningless when wikileaks was running from ellingham hall like the stately home that assange stayed in in norfolk for ages you had like the dream security setup in theory you had it going through a vpn like you know if you're trying to watch netflix from another country like one of those and then that went through tor but it was a rural norfolk internet connection with 15 people using it and so it was as slow as dial-up in the 90s. I mean, it, it made AOL look good. See, none of the Julian Assange dramas have depicted him waiting for a very long time to get a signal. It's, and honestly, sometimes you would have big sort of dramatic releases delayed because of Norfolk broadband. <laughs> and all these security stuff just meant if you got a little, what would be a two-second blip in your broadband that we all get annoyingly all the time. It'd take about half an hour for all the security to come back up. So people kept flicking off and using the... Like, no one can maintain the standards 24-7. 
for these sort of super security systems. So you're you're your own worst enemy is basically what you're telling me here. Human fallibility is the enemy. It's, yeah. it's not necessarily that you're being spied on. It's that you're going to give yourself away. It's well, it's it's the mixture of both. It's that what you have to do to not be spied on. Like if you're relying on technology, the bar is so high that no one can consistently sail over it. I mean, Assange wants um, to avoid detection dressed up as an old woman when he was driving out of London in case there were sort of recognition things in the car and all of that. But the car had been booked by credit cards by his girlfriend. <laughs> the phone thing's really interesting. People take all sorts of security steps with their desktop computers and then forget all about it with their mobile phones, particularly, I might say, iOS. I don't know why I'm saying that. Yeah. I think it might be because it presents everything in such a sort of easy, straightforward way for people that they actually almost forget that it is a computer connected to the it's, internet. Yeah. Have you ever done the location services thing on your phone? So this is find my iPhone or... Okay, this has got to be terrible radio. I'm sorry, but can, can I give you a little string of instructions just to look at on your phone? Sure. If you're listening to this and you've got an iPhone, then uh, let's, let's all do this together. So you go to settings. Yeah. Then you go to privacy, which is the bottom one on the third bar. Okay, this isn't going to tell you what porn I look at, is it? No. Okay, privacy, yeah. Location services, which is the top bit. Location services, yeah. On, it says. Yep. Now, then, I don't recall ever asking it to be on. All the way, then scroll all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. And there's a thing called system services. You can see how much they want you to be looking at this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, now I think about it, I suppose I've turned it on for individual apps like Google Maps. I want yep, to know where. And that means it's on. Okay, right. And then. So, system all, services, yeah. All the way to the bottom again, you'll see frequent locations. No. So you might get a little list of towns you've been in lately. It has not only the village that I live in, but the, the two villages either side of the village that I live so, in, none of which are so public So now domain. try also hitting London, England. It shows which you a little really map unknown. where I bet it's guessed your work and home if you have them. It's guessed that I have to get the train from St Pancras. It's guessed that I work at The Guardian. So, and if you look, pick any of the addresses on it, yeah. so if I pick Kingley Street, which is where BuzzFeed's local pub is, it tells you I was in there from ah. 6 till quarter to 9 on the 18th. Oh, God. From 6 till quarter to 7 on the 17th. It knows I've been to the Harvester. This and is shocking. And what time you left. Yeah, like, between 5.15 and 5.45 that, on the 13th of March. all saved on your phone and on servers. That's extraordinary. And I that, is, that is your life in a diagram. See, now, I knew, I suppose, that the police had access to that because you read about that. They're quite open about it, aren't they? We managed to track him down via his phone records. Yeah. I didn't realise that we could all and see ourselves. And that explicit and that singular. Like, and that's shared with Apple and in terms of the sort of terms and conditions, is that then shared with the security services some as well? Of, some of it shares, but it does mean that if the right kind of tracking warrant is on your phone, the level of detail they can get, but also just the level of detail a hacker could get or someone's in a relationship with a jealous partner and they see that someone was in a different domestic address for two hours yeah you know there's there's so much sort of detail recorded about our lives that never used to be okay so i'm going to put the precise instructions to what james has just told us to do on the website modernman.co.uk so if you want to trace your partner and see whether they're cheating on you (laughs) you can do that and if you are cheating on your partner and you don't want them to find out you can turn it off uh more broadly though Perhaps you're not cheating on your partner. Perhaps, as, as in the Microsoft adverts, you are buying her an engagement ring. You want to go off-grid. You want to be off-radar. You don't want anyone to know what you're up to. Give us some tips, James. What are your, your top so, ten tips? So if you ever want to meet someone or go to a place and it not be known, don't take your phone, don't take your laptop, don't take your iPad. 
leave electricals at home. And don't use, presumably, a prepaid contactless card to get their either. Yeah, no, cash tickets, always better. Yeah. Don't use a credit card. Although credit cards will just sort of show roughly and show after. But yeah, don't take electronics along to anything you want to keep super secret. In terms of online, a lot of the boring stuff that security people tell you to do just as sensible is sensible. Put two-factor on your email. Because trust me, I've been through other people's email inboxes through leaks. What's two-factor? It's, it's when you have to, you get a text saying put in this code, or you've got to put in an authenticator app or something, as well as your password when you log into your email. So just the ones, not every time you send an email. It's like it's like when you log in yeah. and it'll ask you for it again about once a month. But anytime someone tries to log in on a new computer, they get text the code. And so if they don't have your phone as well, it keeps them out. It's really good. If you don't want to have people be able to intercept you, stuff like WhatsApp or Signal is actually really good for this. Mm. It encrypts your stuff so that it's only readable on your phone. And no one who saw it in between, who was listening in through a tap, could get it. And the other thing is, delete stuff you don't need. Delete your old emails delete your old texts like yeah, the convenience is right know, there isn't it you want to so search handy them. yeah but if someone ever gets their hands on it if it's not there to find if you're talking on something that doesn't log yeah it's not there i mean the trade-off is almost always security is inconvenient yeah i mean nowadays people's personal finance spreadsheets are all done in the cloud aren't they it's yeah. all on the internet for your convenience wherever i am i can look and see how much money i've got in my bank account but that's putting so me at like risk the, the most secure thing to do is really to shut yourself in a room <laughs> with no electrics never really leave and don't talk to anyone but it's not a whole lot of fun well, that was a good interview, wasn't it? Well, I, I suppose you agree with that because you're still listening. So uh, perhaps you'd like to hear some more episodes of The Modern Man in the future. I'm hoping the answer to that one is yes as well. If so, then please do your bit and support our work as independent podcasters, putting aside our time and effort to bring you this show. All we ask is that you buy us a beer to say thanks. Just visit modernman.co.uk and click beer money. Uh, thanks so much to this week's donors, Leo, Caroline, A.M. White, Sam, Maykay, the LBC Legal Hour legend, Daniel Barnett, Sinead, Paul Smith, if you're the fashion designer, then next time just send me a suit, Peter, Bryce, Berry, Patrick, Erin, Alan, and special mention this week to Sylvia, who not only generously pledged us three beers a month back in October, but actually recently I noticed updated her credit card details when her card expired. Now that is listener support. Uh, join their ranks and buy us a beer right now. Pause the podcast and go to modernman.co.uk. Thanks. So we have reached the penultimate section of the show, which tradition dictates means it is time for the foxhole. Alex Fox is here. Hello, Alex. Every time you say dictates, I think about dictate, like a museum of dicks, which I might found. Well, we're almost in a museum of dicks today because, um, Alex, you have brought me to a very special location for this week's foxhole. Uh, one of the most memorable bits, I think, from the last season of The Modern Man was our Christmas special uh, in which you made Ollie Pitt choke on a cherry cola-flavoured condom uh, in the process of showcasing some of your favourite sex toys of 2015. Uh, and now we're in 2016, we thought we'd revisit the subject again. Uh, so where are we and what are we about to see? We are in one of my favourite London sex shops. It's an independent boutique called Shush. Wow, OK. So, listeners, there are none of your questions this week because this is a special edition with Alex in her natural habitat. Uh, she's going to show me some of the products that they're selling here that she's 
particularly excited about at the moment. So let's have a tour around the store. Maybe let's start with a little icebreaker, Ollie. This mm-hmm. is one of my favourite, very easy sex games. Oh, it's yeah. a heart-shaped box. It is. That's full of tiny little coils of paper and a pair of plastic tweezers. Okay, so this looks like a collection that someone's ripped out of fortune cookies. It, of, it sort of is. It is. It's, of it's, those platitudes that you get. Your cookie, if you're a lady, your cookie may well become very fortunate if you pull out an interesting piece of paper. The idea is that on okay. each each little coil of paper, yeah. there's a different sex question or a dare. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if you want to if you want to uh, shake things up and, and make your sex life more interesting, mm-hmm. uh, this will give you all sorts of suggestions. Okay, so this is this is for people who can't use Google, basically. Right, I'm dipping in with my tweezers to find one of these fortune cookie type suggestions. I'm unraveling it now, and it says that I should give precise instructions to your partner to take care of you sexually. <laughs> that sort of sounds like there's something something wrong something with you. Like, uh, pick, let me, pick, should I do another one? Pick out another one. Okay. This one says, Do you like to take care of your partner after intense sex? Be taken care of. This is a euphemism for being jacked off, isn't it? No, absolutely. No, it's not about jacking off. It's about reassuring that person and delighting in, in what you both enjoyed. Mm. And uh, if you have been indulging in something that's perhaps a slightly more risky practice, like spanking, it's checking that that person is soothed and that they're, they're not too bruised and that they're comfortable. And it's the come down after the coming. And on that note, I think we should go and have a look at some other things that you'd like to talk about. OK. Well, how do you feel about candles? <laughs> in any other context, I'd say absolutely fine for memorials and also for lighting up hallways. There really should be less trepidation in your voice because this is a special candle. It's a massage candle. It's made of a wax that burns at a lower than normal temperature, so it's not going to singe you, your arm hairs, or your pride. It's still going to be a bit hot, though, isn't it? It'll be pleasingly, pleasurably oh, will hot. It? Yeah, yeah, enticingly okay. hot. <laughs> okay, so the candles. Just called... let me pour the molten wax on you, Ollie. Come on, let's get let's get on with this. It converts into um, a lovely scented oil that then can be massaged into the skin. So first you get the sensation, and I can, oh, I can see you flinching. This is, yeah, I because can, you're I pouring can, a molten wax I on I can me. vary how hot it is according ah. to how close I get to you. So if I okay, just no, it's not from height, I'm being, yeah, I'm yeah, being a wuss. Yeah. That's actually, and then, oh. oh, I'm just making sure that doesn't drip. Okay. There we are. This is me trying to be sensual. This is well, <laughs> inappropriately and weirdly massaging your arm. One of the most the, clinical experiences the, of my entire life. Think of it as, a, as an emollient. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's what it feels like. Thank you, Dr. Fox. <laughs> I kind of. <laughs> I really didn't expect to be doing this on yeah. a Tuesday after, afternoon. I what I have noticed is it's not hairs. making my hair stick in any way. No, no. So, although- and uh, my, my arm now. Does smell of, you know, whatever that is, wax and um, it is some no, sort no, of it's, it's, um, aroma, amber and oriental spice. The words run yeah. out of my mouth. We're in lube corner. So we certainly are. You've Not got to, watch to be step. confused with pube corner, which is hairier. Um, and one of my one of the most interesting lubes that Shush stock, which they have imported uh, from another country, I believe, is this one. It's sexy called, called Probe. Probe. That's yeah. really not a sexy name. Uh, this is also known informally as the Spider-Man lube. And I'll right. show you why. If you just want to hold out your hand, I've dolloped carefully a, a few drops of yeah. lubricant into Ollie's palm. Now, okay. this feels remember... like ordinary lube to me at this point. For starters, yes. Do you remember back in the nineties, you could get those hair gels where you <gasps> had to, yeah, you had to. Um, She's making a movement with her fingers between your fingers yes. to act 
activate the fibres so within them. Like that the were supposed people, to, yeah. yeah, the men in the L'Oreal ads. Yeah. You're worth it. Well, ProBlube is designed to really carefully mimic a woman, woman's natural secretions, yes. including that slightly adhesive property I that they sometimes that. have. So it's, it's slightly gluey in the best of ways, and it creates those Spider-Man threads yes, when you does. manipulate it between your fingers. Okay. What's the advantage of that to the user? It's super hypoallergenic. So even though most women can, can use lubes with no problem, yeah. some women find that they upset their internal chemistry. So they, uh, certain lubes will give them thrush, which is always delightful. The, the least welcome bird in your pussy is the thrush, really. <laughs> Not that I'm sticking a sparrow up my cooter on a regular basis. Good who knows? Know. Who knows? I might be getting off on having... There might be so, a whole pigeon loft up there. Why would, the, why would a synthetic uh, recreation of lady fluid help? in that scenario the, the requirement for lube doesn't mean that you're not necessarily turned on and it shouldn't be something that people are embarrassed about mm. shall we shall we go upstairs Why not? Man? okay and as we climb the stairs um there's some curious artwork on the wall what you are looking at here mr ollie man are 240 separate plaster casts of real women's vaginas and so they've been photographed and put into a montage which they've called the, the Great, Great Wall, Wall of, of Vagina. vagina. Yeah. Quite nice. This is by a Brighton-based artist called Jamie McCartney. He didn't presumably personally sculpt all of these ladies' vaginas. He personally took plaster casts of each and every one of those women's vaginas. Did he? Yes. Okay, we put the work in then. And, and so I imagine there's a point behind this. Um, what is it? Is it's it the celebration show, of the various different types of uh, ladies' bits? Pretty much, yeah. It's to show the huge variation naturally in different women's labia. Um, some of them, as you can see, are quite frilly. Some are asymmetric. Some are pierced. That one looks like the character in Futurama, doesn't it? Yeah, the octopus guy. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm never going to look at my, at my bits in the same way. Yeah. This one looks a little bit like a skate, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It looks yeah. like a skate wing. That's yeah. exactly what it looks like. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a fish and chip shop now, <laughs> in all the best of ways. It's, yeah. it's not very sexy, is it? I mean, it might be a celebration, but it's... it's um... I can't imagine that a load of plaster casts of people's wangers would look very sexy, though. People's genitalia in isolation mm. is rarely the most... Um, alluring of parts because mm. you your appreciation of sex often involves the entire person it's more holistic isn't it and on that bombshell <laughs> alex uh, it's been a delight uh, having you show me around one of your favorite sex shops thank you it's it's been my absolute treasured pleasure ollie man i hope that you've uh, found some inspiration i'll leave that open to the audience to interpret but if you have As a question these, these people here on the wall of vagina left everything open to the audience <laughs> Uh, if you have a question of sex for Alex, we will be readdressing your listener questions next week. Alex, what are they to do? Please send your questions to me via our website, which is modernman.co.uk. Click on the feedback button and then write whatever's on your mind. Well, there we go. That is nearly it for this week's Modern Man. If you enjoy the show, please remember you can send us some feedback or buy us a beer at modernman.co.uk. All the links there to subscribe to the show. If you use Apple as well, please leave us a review at itunes.com slash M-A-N-N. Shout out to Davey in the USA who has done that. Uh, He says, as a non-English speaker not living in the UK, I sometimes have to research some terms like wank bank that I really enjoy 
each week's episode. Uh, Davey, how wonderful to be bringing such precious British terms to your foreign ears. We're basically like the BBC World Service in that respect. Uh, right, music to finish with. Our theme music is by Django Django from their album of the same name. And our song of the week this week is this, We Disappear by Martha Fion. Out now on Turnstile Records. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.